All right, then. Here we go. It is the sports book here on 760 WJR, the Juneteenth edition. Thank you very much for joining us. Much appreciated, as always. Uh, It is a very special night. And let me tell you this. There is a lot to unpack uh, as we get this show underway. Uh, As it applies to the show, the personnel on the show, uh, it's crazy. But it's also a big night because I get a chance to see my partner for the first time in, what, a month? I don't know, but it's nice to see you. Good seeing you there, Jane. It's nice to be in person. Yes. Um, How was Ryan, your hubby's, first Father's Day? Really, really sweet. We didn't really do anything special. We just hung out as a family of three, went to brunch, took a walk, did all that kind of fun stuff. Nothing uh, nothing better than that. And then Mommy went to work. <laughs> what was the over-under uh, on mimosas drank at brunch? Ooh. Okay. It's, a valid, it's a valid question. What's your guess? Because uh, there was one consumed. I would set the over-under at three. Okay. Just for you? <laughs> yeah, just for me. I'm staying with three. <laughs> You're over because I only had one. Oh, How many right. did Brian have? Zero. He's not a mimosa guy. <laughs> Put a little vodka in there. Make it a man-mosa. Shout out to Jumps in Gross Point. We love that restaurant. <laughs> uh, good stuff, I would imagine. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Were they slammed for the yes. Father's Day brunch? Yes. Yeah. Well, and, of hope- course, Olivia got food all over the floor, and I was apologizing. That's what nine-month-olds do. They, <laughs> they, you know, that's their uh, M.O. Uh, certainly hope everybody had a great Father's Day. I enjoyed mine, and thanks to the fam for uh, making it that way. Did you get gifts, or was it just time spent? No, it was a combination, uh, nice gifts. Um, and my son, who's really taken to grilling and cooking in general, uh, he said, Dad, what do you want? And, uh, you know, U.S. Open's on a little bit later, and uh, looking forward to that. I could, I'll never turn down a brat. Okay. <laughs> and sipped on a couple beers, uh-huh, and uh, uh-huh. it worked out perfect. I tell you what, we're going to get into it, but watching golf in primetime, I thought was amazing. Let alone a major. Yeah. I mean, it was insane. You're right. More on that coming up in just a bit because there's a lot to discuss. Uh, Meanwhile, Blake, we're going to start with you. Hey. Theoretically. Hi, Blake. Hi. This could be your last venture with us here on the Sportsbook. And if I start weeping, (laughs) uh, I apologize in advance. Yes. Uh, My schedule's changing with the schedule changes for the station. So I will still be on with Mitch from four to six. And then I will be working with Sean on sports rap from six to seven. And then from time to time, I plan on being with you guys, but it will not be every week for the, with the wedding and everything. It'll be. Well, I was going to say, uh, more importantly, uh, effective this Saturday, sir, uh, you are going to be a married fellow. Congratulations. I am. I am. It's very, it's crazy. We've been engaged for like two years, so it's, uh, it's been a long it, time like, coming. butterflies? you nervous? I'm excited. Like, okay. for me, I don't think much is going to change with us because we've lived together for so long and been together for so long. Uh, but I'm just very excited for the celebration and everything. But I think you are living proof, Blaker, that there is indeed a cover for every pot. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Isn't that true? Uh, you see what I did there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's way out of my league, so I got lucky. Well, uh, she wants you home at 7, okay? You yeah. can't just stay. 
Although, if you just want to hang out and, you know. Kibitz. Kibitz. Because I think you, you, you've you become, through the process of being with us for so long, since the infancy of this here sports Award-winning show. You've been, uh, you've been upgraded to a premier kibitzer. I, I appreciate that. I put that on my resume, actually. PK? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you've got PK status. No, I, 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 especially during football season, you guys you know, know I'll be have so to visit. funny if you, on Sean's show, were just, like, super positive. You were, like, Mr. Positive and totally changed your whole persona. I was getting upset, you guys, just now talking about the U.S. Open and how great it was because oh, I have thoughts. Oh, Well, okay. share them in just yeah. a bit. I, I, I've still got more than one back. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, Nick Roddy, who has been the producer of this show since the infancy, uh, he is also the producer for the Guy Gordon radio show. Effective tomorrow, you know the deal, the entire lineup on the uh, blowtorch changes. Uh, Guy and uh, others will be kicking your day off here on WJR. Uh, Nick will be doing that as well, but I understand uh, he's going to join us here for the second segment, and uh, we're going to crawl inside his cranium and find out just what the hell's going on. Uh, but the uh, the day is going to be, I think, pretty darn good. Kicking off with Guy in the morning. Then you've got all talk with uh, Tom and Kevin. Uh, that will take you to Mr. Uh, Paul W. Smith. And that will take you to Chris Renwick. And that'll take you to the four to six Mitch Album Show. It's going to be so weird. So weird. It is going to be initially, weird. yeah, and then it'll become the norm. Yeah, that's just the way it works. Paul has put in his time in the morning. Guy Gordon is no stranger to mornings. I think no, it'll be great. No, uh, but you know, last week uh, you know, I did mornings for a long time, and uh, Nick and Mike Parsons, who will be the engineer for the Guy Gordon Morning Show, were looking for tips as to you know how you can handle that morning deal a little bit easier. And, and, and the truth of the matter is. It's not just a shift change for him. It's a, it's a lifestyle change. Here's what I know from TV side of it and my friends who work in mornings. You're either a napper or you go to sleep early. So you live your life normally and go to sleep at like 7 p.m. Or right. you stay out late and do all the things with your family, but you have to nap right after the show. But you really have to be careful how long you nap. Right. Because the last thing you want is to be looking at Mr. Alarm Clock at 11 o'clock at night saying, well, if I fall asleep right now, I'll get five hours of sleep. Right. And then it's midnight. If I fall asleep right now. Right. Because I was getting up at 3.30 in the morning. It was, I was dropping a paper off at the newspaper guy's house. Yeah, I mean, that's the deal at TV, but you have to be there at 3.30. Oh. So they're getting up at like 2.30. What you just explained, though, like the alarm clock thing, I go through that every single year radiothon the night before. I'm just... (laughs) Like, amped up, and I can't fall asleep. Well, you know. Not fun. No. Um, but thank goodness you're on a shift that uh, you don't have to really have to worry about it. Well, for Radiothon, though, I'm here oh, that yeah. whole day. Oh, and yeah. That is, a, that is a long day. Great work, though. Uh, by the way, uh, Tigers are kicking off a three-game set uh, with the Kansas City Royals at Comerica Park. Yeah, they're back home after taking three or four from the division-leading Minnesota Twins, which was Kind of nice, yes? Yeah, and a good win yesterday. Talked about it on SFB. I mean, good stuff from them. It's okay to be excited game to game. That's what I've decided. Look, they're only five games out of the Twins right now. And, 
Yeah, I thought the most disheartening thing in that whole tilt yesterday afternoon was Alex Lang. Oh, dear. Yeah. He was lights out for the longest time, and I think uh, two out of his last three outings have not gone well. I've been listening to A.J. Hinch on his pregame stuff. He's not concerned. Then I'm not either. He said it's something with command, and they'll get it figured out. All right. Uh, we're going to spend some time. And, oh, Nick Roddy wears so many hats. Uh, your Michigan Panthers are playoff bound, huh? We're going to talk about this, that, and the other thing as we continue with the sports book here on 760 WJR. Welcome back into the sports book here on 760 WJR at Comerica Park. They are now in the bottom of the third. No score with your Tigers playing host to the Kansas City Royals. Reese Olsen, the uh, 23-year-old right-hander on the bump for the Tigers. We'll keep you posted. Uh, meanwhile, uh, this past Friday morning here on WJR, I was able to have my first-ever conversation with Panthers head coach Mike Nolan. And let me just say this. What a very nice dude. Yeah. Really a good guy. And was looking forward to the uh, winning in tilt uh, this past weekend at Ford Field. Panthers hoping to get win number one on their home field. And by golly, mission accomplished, knocking off the Philadelphia Stars 23-20. Let's check in now with our producer and the producer of Michigan Panthers football, heard here on WJR. Chris Renwick, J.U. Kalkrick with the call. Uh, Nicky boy, what's happening? How's it going? Yeah, yeah. all aboard the playoff train, Steve. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, talking to Mike Nolan, um, like I say, he, he he's just a very good dude who, who you can tell, very knowledgeable about the game. And I asked him if there was any benefit to playing a team that you beat previously all in week two uh with everything on the line and he said look that was then this is now and they did it without josh love this former brown standout ej perry gets the start at quarterback and made the most of the opportunity it looks like nick yeah uh not without a few hiccups i mean you can tell it was his first start with the team um he'd been with the team for about three weeks so he's had a few practices but um, there were quite a few plays where he would go one way and the running back would go the other way. In fact, it happened on his touchdown run where he bobbled the snap and picked it up off the ground and then scooted around the right edge and, and got in the end zone for the go-ahead score. Um, it's a, it's almost a miracle they won this game because they were outplayed really by a wide margin in the first half. They were down 20-6. to six. They come out and they block a uh, punt and return it for a touchdown. And all of a sudden they're right back in the game. And uh, yeah, it was a win and end game for both teams. These teams have a crazy kind of uh, history together. They are in the same hub, obviously. Philadelphia and the Panthers are uh, both playing their home games at Ford Field. They both are located in Ann Arbor and practice at Eastern Michigan. So they've scrimmaged each other twice. They travel to road games together. They've now played each other twice, and we were with some of the coaches last week in Canton, kind of before the the Pittsburgh loss, and they were saying if things fell the right way, they might play Philly two weeks in a row if, if Philly had won last week and the Panthers won. So they would have played each other like six times this year, but that didn't happen. Uh, the Panthers are in the playoffs. The Stars are not in the playoffs, so, yeah, it's a good thing for uh, Coach Nolan. Well, and the plot thickens because it was the Panthers and Stars you may or may not recall, who faced off in Denver for the USFL title 
in the inaugural season back in 1983. So there's a little bit of history uh, with these two clubs. Uh, happy uh, that they got in, and what this means is a semifinal matchup against Jamie's Pittsburgh Maulers, uh, yeah. who, by the way, swept the Panthers in their two regular season matchups. That's going to be next Saturday at uh, Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton. You know what? You're in. That's pretty much all that matters, right? Yeah, 8 o'clock kick uh, on Saturday. Um, and, yeah, it's the first time that the Panthers will play Pittsburgh with E.J. Perry at quarterback. So um, now Pittsburgh knows that's coming, uh, so I'm sure they're going to change their game plan a little bit. But uh, it was definitely a different team on offense for the Panthers. They'd kind of stalled under Josh Love, and I was a fan of Josh Love with the whole Carson Strong, Josh Love quarterback battle. But he threw four interceptions last week against Pittsburgh. Right. And then Mike Nolan made the move. And, I mean, you can't blame him because of, I mean, they were in a, almost a must-win game, and, and he put up a, a stat line like that. you got to make a move. And, and E.J. Perry definitely brings a different dynamic to this offense. Well, interesting to point out, uh, and not to be cliche, but defense wins championships. And that's Mike Nolan's calling card uh, throughout his coaching career. And, you know, when I chatted with him Friday morning, Nick, uh, he was all on board. Look, our defense has been pretty stellar all year long. Uh, but you got to get a little help uh, offensively. And uh, at the time, you know, pointed out that Josh Love turned it over four times. Um against Pittsburgh, and you can't have it. But I think defensively, you know, if your defense is still uh, playing up to snuff, that gives you a fighting chance anyway. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, they their special teams all season weren't great, but their special teams really won them the game yesterday um, with the blocked punt return for a touchdown. They had over 200 yards of uh, kickoff return yardage. Um, their kicker kicked along a 51. I think he was two for three and he's had a kind of up and down season. So really their defense and special teams really, uh, propped this offense up yesterday until the offense could, could do enough and get in and, and get in the end zone finally. And, uh, yeah, pull out the win. So definitely a, uh, three phase effort last night for the Panthers. All right. Eight o'clock semifinal action against the Pittsburgh Maulers from Canton. You'll hear it right here on WJR. Uh, meanwhile, you better head to bed, dude. A uh, little uh, early starts of the morning as you kick off that Guy Gordon morning show, huh? Yeah, it'll be. we're excited. I mean, Guy, Guy's been excited for a while now, so uh, he's been practicing his uh, sleep routine now for a couple weeks, waking up at like three thirty or something, and I, I just I can't pull that off. I I, I don't know. <laughs> well, so you have to. Well, I mean, I'll have to starting tomorrow. But, but he couldn't practice it like okay. for two weeks. Like, oh yeah, I I woke up at four and I'm going to take a nap. It's like, oh, he's well, going to do the if nap. If I can sleep in, then <laughs> I'm going to sleep in. Now I'm going to put you on the spot here, my friend. Uh, you've been the producer of this award-winning radio show uh, since its inception. Does this morning gig mean you're going to big time us now? No, no. I think my bedtime will probably be by 10. So, I, yeah, I'll, I'll still uh, contribute. I can't leave you like Blake will. I know. That's a valid point. I just got bullied. Yeah. We can't both leave at the same time. That would be bad. That is a valid point. And, uh, you know, it's going to be 
Boy. This is ridiculous. Two of the uh, mainstays here. I know. But look at us. But we're still here. Where are we we're going? We're still kicking it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. Well, uh, looking forward uh, to Guy in the Mornings and obviously a hell of a run for Mr. Paul W. Smith, uh, legendary. Um, he's going to go from uh, noon to two. Uh, some would say just in the nick of time for him because, you know, as I told you and Mike Parsons last week there, Nick, uh, what you're up against is not just a shift change. It is a lifestyle change. But, uh, hey, you're still young enough. It shouldn't have a yeah. dramatic effect on you. I was really enjoying our uh, three to five show. It's kind. Of, it was basically like a nine to five job. You'd wake up and you'd produce a show, and then you do it in your home by five thirty. Which is unheard is... of in media. Exactly. Yeah. So I was getting a little spoiled, but this is going to be yeah, definitely, a, definitely a different lifestyle, Steve. So that's six to nine, right? Yeah, yeah. six to nine a.m. Six to nine, and you know, which begs the question because I've been on both ends of the spectrum. Is it better to wake up and wait to go to work? Or in the uh, situation of a morning show, you you wake up and you go. I see uh, I see the arguments for both sides. Yeah, as long as you like what you do, I guess it doesn't matter. Oh, look at you being the voice of reason. <laughs> well said. Yeah. All right, Nikolai. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate you stopping by. Don't big time us. I will not. And I hope you are not looking at the alarm clock at uh, midnight saying, well, if I fall asleep right now. (laughs) Chances are that will happen, at least for tonight. All right. You'll get used to it. Thanks, Nick. All right. See you guys. All right. I can't believe uh, I thought Nick and Blake were tight. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Nick just threw him under the bus. Yeah. Mm A hundred. Yeah, he did. (laughs) He was mean to me before we went on air, too. But we don't have to talk about that. Uh oh. Wedding plans coming along nicely, dude? Yeah, they're coming along. They're, well, I, I mean, everything's done. Yeah. Everything's done. I just got the call. I got to pick up my suit tomorrow. That's, I was like, whoa. Tomorrow? Yeah, I'm picking it up tomorrow. Interesting. So that there's time if I need any, like, alterations, alterations and, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Because you've been hitting the chicken and rice for a while. You've probably lost some LBs. Yeah. I'm, I've, since I got fitted, I think I lost, like, Five or ten pounds. Oh, wow. Like You're going to need to take Good that in. You. Good yeah. for you. All right, folks. Uh, that brings you up to date with everything going on this uh, radio program. I saw Bobby Wood Jr. hit one. Did somebody else go yard? I believe it's three to nothing. Oh, dear. I was just going to say, Bobby Wood Jr. goes yard, made it one nothing. Uh, Reese Olsen is none too pleased with what's going on right now. Can I ask you guys a question real quick? Of course While we're you on can. the subject of baseball. Have you guys been watching the College World Series at all? I showed some of it on my shows this weekend. I I enjoy it. I'll I get it's good it viewing. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to take in a whole lot this year, but I have watched. The like atmosphere wise, it's awesome. Like Omaha's sweet. I like how there's that one bar that does the shot challenge. I don't know if you've seen that <laughs> well, on we Twitter. Don't know about that. <laughs> no, like. It, so you go in. Can and you, you sign up for that? No, you order a <laughs> shot, and they like make a tally of what school like you're affiliated with, oh, okay. and then it shows like who's been to that bar the most. Basically, it's pretty wow. good. That's very interesting. I think Tennessee was leading by a wire. No, LSU was leading by a wide margin. Did that shock you? No, not at all. <laughs> They like to party. Uh, I've been delaying it for a little bit, but we have to talk about the U.S. Open. I can't wait. 
from cover to cover. It was it was very cool. Was I expecting more of the course? Um, maybe. We'll uh, chat about it as we continue with the sports book here on 760 WJR. All right, so heading into this, the 123rd U.S. Open, uh, all we heard was how exclusive uh, Los Angeles Country Club is. And uh, then you do a little bit of research, and you realize exactly how exclusive it is. Um, I think it's one of those deals where you can't go in and say, hey, can I have an application, please? No. Just, you have to know someone. Just you have doesn't to be sponsored. Happen. Or they have to invite you. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you read about, you know, some of the uh, uh, yardages uh, involved in some of the holes. And obviously, uh, we came across a few 500-plus uh, yard par fours. Uh, there was some crazy long par threes, 290 yards. But then there was like an 81-yarder. Right. And, you know, I didn't know what a, is it a baraka, a baraka, baraka, the sand oh. areas there. Um, didn't know they existed, but uh, by golly, there they were. Did you see some of the low angle shots of the, you know, the fairways just completely tilted? Yes. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it was, the rough was not very kind. I understand that. I think it's been longer at some of the other U.S. Open yeah. venues. Um, but still, long enough. It made it so they couldn't hit it very close, is what my understanding is. Except if you really hit it at the exact right moment, like Wyndham Clark did on that eagle shot, I believe it was 14. Well, you know, kudos to that guy. Because he's been through a lot. Uh, almost quit the game. Uh, but I wanted to make this point. Uh, when you talk about how exclusive uh, LACC is. Hugh Hefner wanted to be a member back in the day. He lived, like, right next door. Wanted to be a member. And they said, nah, you know what? We appreciate your interest, but no. <clears throat> so what did he do? He built the zoo off the 14 tee box, which you still hear the to this day. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the peacocks and everything else. It's insane. But anyway... Uh, back to Wyndham Clark, the man at the hour. <clears throat> he was ranked 293rd in the official world golf ranking a year ago. He had never finished better than a time for 75th in a major championship. All he did was hold off Rory McIlroy, world number one player Scotty Scheffler, and Ricky Fowler in the final round of that U.S. Open to win it. Very emotional, uh, as you knew it was going to be. And uh, I thought early on, and we talked to Jane before going on tonight, um, I think you could tell Ricky Fowler uh, birdied the opening par five, then bogeyed, and he just looked tentative. He looked nervous, and he started to go backwards in the leaderboard. And right when that started, I'm like, oh, man, this is not his day. Um, Rory, I think every yeah, – I think – Wyndham Clark started getting some support as this thing was going on, and he was coming up uh, with some survival shots, which were just unbelievable. Well, what did he say? He wanted to play with confidence, and I believe it was Saturday when he hit an unbelievable shot, and there was that club twirl. He played with that confidence that he talked about, and I think that endeared people to him. 
Well, and then well, you take a look at Rory. Um, he had the miss putt on 14. Uh, that turned into a bogey. And he did not make a putt over eight feet all tournament. I said this to Ryan before the announcer said it, that this felt a lot like the Open Championship, where he just couldn't get these putts to drop. Striking the ball very well. Yeah. Very well. Couldn't get anything to drop. So uh, he had 16 pars, a bogey, and a birdie. The major drought, now 33 tournaments, which works out to about nine years. I think he's going to get there, but the most important stat is this. 36 putts in 18 holes. Do the math. I wanted Rory. I did. I wanted Ricky, too. And when those two fell off, I started to get behind Wyndham Clark. Rory's been runner-up three times in a major now. That's heartbreaking. Well, Wyndham, you know, besides getting a check for $3.6 million, uh, his life is forever changed as a U.S. Open champion. Um, As the story goes... He became only the fourth player in the past 100 years to win the U.S. Open the first time after making the cut in the tournament. Uh, Lucas Glover had been the most recent to do so, that in 2009. So it was what chronicled uh, during the uh, telecast. Uh, He went to Oklahoma State. As a matter of fact, he got the exact duplicate putter of Ricky Fowler, and he put it to good use. I digress. Uh, He enrolled at Oklahoma State in 2012. Uh, At the time, he was considered to be the uh, Cowboys' next star. Uh, Four days before Christmas in 2012, his mother, uh, Lisa, diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer. Uh, The disease sadly had spread through her body. She passed away in August of 2013. She was only 55 years old. Uh, And uh, according to the stories, it literally crushed Wyndham. And he contemplated quitting the game. What's interesting is they did a lot of feature stories on Wyndham Clark leading up to Saturday and Sunday. So I knew a lot about him. They did a great job on on what happened and how right. upset it made him. So I don't know if they knew that this guy was going to make a run. But I got behind him because of his story. It's a crazy story and a good story. And uh, yeah, that's how it makes uh, golf, I think, so special. You know, it was awesome that this major was televised in our neck of the woods in prime time. Um, but there's only you. And I'm a big fan of people rising to the occasion. Well, yeah. And anytime Rory did something really great, he heard the roars. People wanted Rory to win, but he was right. unfazed. So Wyndham Clark ends up transferring to Oregon. And he's coached by a guy who knows his share of uh, trials and tribulations, Casey Martin, uh, helped rebuild his swing, his confidence, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. But at the end of the day, Los Angeles Country Club did not go unscathed. Okay, what are your thoughts? I know Blake has some. Well, Matt Fitzpatrick, the defending U.S. Open champ going in, not a big fan at all. He finishes minus one in case you're saying, well, it's just sour grapes. Uh, Brooks Kepka, who will often share his opinion on various and sundry. Not a big fan of the course. Uh, and Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland was the most vocal. Yeah, and probably the most shocking. Because Victor Hovland, 
doesn't really say anything if he has a mouthful. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of shocking. That's what got my attention. Uh, Fitzpatrick said there are really no spectacular holes. And Fitzpatrick went as far as to say that there really wasn't a U.S. Open vibe. Well, where were the people? That's what I want to know. They were all there on the 18th yesterday. But that's literally everyone who was in there that day. Every hole usually is like that at the U.S. Open. You're absolutely right. I'm glad you noticed that. The country club bought half of the tickets and sold them to, like, or, like, gave them to corporate partners. So it it was, like, very, like, Super Bowl vibe, like how it's very corporate. So that the atmosphere was horrible. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, and I think you're talking about Los Angeles and been there quite a few times. Not really a big fan, but you look at it realistically. Here you have a team in the Rams that won a Super Bowl. They don't draw fans there for football, whether it's the Chargers or Rams. Eh, right. whatever, okay. Right. The Kings, they haven't done anything eh. recently. There's just too much going on yeah. in the city of Angels. And again, you've got a Super Bowl champion. And Kelly Stafford has made mention of it. Very disappointing following there. Yeah. But that's why there wasn't an NFL team in L.A. for a long time. And now you have two. Good luck. Right. And I think that sort of whole vibe translated to this U.S. Open. And and. Blake's right. Like, if there were all these corporate passes, those people are not there to cheer and stand there and watch every single putt. If you're there as a corporate person, you're there to sort of make deals and have some cocktails. Well, I think Matt Fitzpatrick made a a, a pretty good point that U.S. Open courses should be hard, should be the hardest you play during the course of any season. Right. But he said, you know, you, you, you crack a drive, and you think you're going to be in good shape, and it's two feet in the rough. Well, yeah, because all the fairways were, like, slanted. Right. So even if you hit a great drive, it would just roll off. Now, I agree with that way of thinking. It's a hard enough game to begin with. Right. And I get it. It's the U.S. Open. So it should be challenging. But these guys can put the ball where they want to. And if you're not rewarded, then I don't think that's right either. Right. Well, after Thursday, it wasn't like the the – the story about how easy the course was. Uh, Ricky and Xander were at eight under, on, and they were saying, yeah, oh, my 62s. God. Yeah, 62s. Yeah. The lowest the average ever. In, yeah. I mean, Brooks Kepko won a U.S. Open at 16 under. Gary Woodland won a U.S. Open at 13 under. Rory McIlroy won a U.S. Open at 16 under. So, I mean, it's not the easiest U.S. Open. and probably It's by far not the hardest U.S. Open. It was probably somewhere right in the middle. Yeah, but I think, uh, you know, what these guys were talking about, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, uh, was the the, 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 the gimmicky uh, angle of this course. How many uh, par fours were there, over 500 yards, two? Yeah, at least. And maybe more. Yeah. Um, and then the par threes. Now, are you doing this just to say, yes, at the Los Angeles Country Club, we had the longest par threes in U.S. Open history. Probably. And you know what? They responded. I don't think that was the issue. But then you throw in 15 
that was playing 127 yesterday, uh, Saturday was playing 81. So there's that. Right. And I think, you know, Kepka was basically saying, look, you want to make it hard, make it hard. But, you know, the distances of the holes, kind of silly. And then the greens, you know, you knew the USGA after watching those scores, like Nick uh, said Friday, yeah, or like, Thursday, rather, we're like, no, we're not standing for this. Right. So Because something changed. Something's shifted. Sure. And then you get wind into the situation and everything else. All I know is I thoroughly enjoyed watching major golf primetime. Yes. That aspect I thought was really fun. And I don't know exactly when it's going to happen again. Uh, I hope it's soon because I'll tell you what. Uh, for research purposes, I watched uh, uh, the third round from a pub, and uh, the excitement level was off the charts. People were watching, the, and, and non-golfers. I talked to a couple of non-golfers. Well, yeah, because it's prime time. You maybe get a couple different eyeballs. The USGA has got to like that. I just want to make this point. It's that LACC North course is number 16 in Golf Digest, America's 100 greatest golf courses. Wow. So. Uh, Nick Roddy, uh, do you play LACC North if you had the chance? Oof. I mean, there's other courses in California I'd rather play. Like Riviera, which I have played. Thank you very yeah, much. Oh, look at you, name dropper. <laughs> I would play Pebble Beach in a heartbeat. Yeah. I would play Riviera in a heartbeat. Uh, love golf. Love everything about it. I think I'm okay. Uh, would it be worth my while? If to... someone said to you, let's go play it, I think you'd do it. I probably would. I yeah, would. I mean, I would. And just be... take my medicine. What are you going to do? I mean, what would you do in a 294-yard par three? Well, I think, the, you know, we're not playing the <laughs> tour yardages. There ain't no way. But... <laughs> You know, I wonder what the ladies' tees are on that one. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be, uh, you know, fun to play. Uh, you know, that number 15, a three-degree uh, right-to-left uh, tilt. What do you do? Yeah, and, you know, they say it favored the fade, I believe. Yeah. I just hit it straight and then see what happens when I get up to my ball. Well, congratulations, Wyndham Clark. $3.6 million. Nice to see his family on hand. His father was there on Father's Day. That was cool. Uh, Rory uh, didn't finish first, but he gets $2.1 million for his efforts. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, 7-under, $1.4 million. Ricky Fowler uh, finishes 5-under, uh, gets $738,000. Um, and now people are wondering, is he back? Uh, I, I think, think it bodes well that he played this well. I hope for 54 so. holes. I, because you know what? He's just a really good dude. And there's, there's a reason why he's so popular. Right. Because he is accessible and doesn't take himself seriously. And uh, he was all the rage for a while. Yeah. Um, He'll be here in two weeks, right? Week and a half. He will be. The, yeah. And uh, the Rocket Mortgage underway. You're going to be all over that, huh? I will, yeah. As will we. We're going to be there Friday. Okay, I'll see no, you there. No sports book. Next Monday night because of the fireworks. Okay. Uh, so we're going to be doing the sports book uh, the following Friday from the Rocket Mortgage. Okay. 
We're living large. Okay. I'm going to be there, so. See All ya. right. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back, uh, bring you up to date on the Tigers. That and more as we continue on 760 WJR. All right, so the Tigers take three of four in the land of 10,000 lakes against the Twins this past weekend. Uh, and they come back home to the friendly confines of Comerica Park to face the 19-52 and 52 Royals. That's what I said. The 19-52 and 52 Royals. Right now, uh, the ball clubs are in the bottom of the fifth, and the Royals are on top 4-0. Eh. Anytime you think something's going to happen, oh, they should grab these couple wins from Kansas City because they're so bad. doesn't happen. Uh, Kansas City, for some reason, has uh, always been poisoned. But, uh, you know, again, the uh, Tigers in a lackluster American League Central. A mere five games out right now. Um, and, according to reports, they should start to get a little bit healthier. Well, I mean, they have a million injuries. They have seven starters on injured reserve, I think. So, if they get a couple of them back, they get close, why not have some fun? It'll make watching all summer a lot more exciting. Well, it was nice to get uh, Matt Veerling back uh, right off the get-go. Uh, still waiting on the likes of Tarek Skubel. Uh, he's going to make his next rehab start for AAA Toledo on Wednesday. Um, Spencer Turnbull uh, is on track to begin throwing a program, uh, I think, a little bit later on this week. Eduardo Rodriguez got a finger issue through a bullpen session last Friday. Uh, even Austin Meadows, uh, Tigers manager A.J. Hintz, said last Thursday that Meadows uh, is continuing his treatment in Florida. So we wish him the best. But... Um, Riley Green, who is the uh, spark plug. Have you heard any uh, dates of his possible return? I have not, which I think is bad news. Uh, did not travel to uh, Minnesota. Uh, no other information available. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fibula. Uh, that fibula will get you. That dang fibula. <laughs> you know, anything but the fibula. Uh, but I like the way that dude plays, and uh, he was having a uh, pretty good year. Uh, one comment, I know we're toward the end here. Yeah. Met Monty Williams, like him, like this hire. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, finding out more about him. Uh, and Mitch uh, did uh, an hour uh, Zoom uh, interview with him last week, and I was able to uh, eavesdrop. Uh, that's what I do. Um, and he just comes off as being a very humble individual. Uh, he's been through tragedy. Right. Lost his wife, first wife, in a tragic auto accident. Um, and he wanted to take the year off because his second wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And the news on her turned out to be much better than expected, much earlier than expected. And the Pistons were throwing crazy money at him. And he said, I better take this. Yeah. Well, he said at the press conference that it was detected early. And he kind of did a PSA for women. Just continue right. to get yourself checked out. Because right. when it's found early, it's it's better. So I think all these athletes who have had tragedy in their life, everything then is put into perspective when it comes to their jobs. Well, he, he did mention, and I give him credit, and it was refreshing. Yeah, the money's pretty good and it's pretty important but he also made mention of the fact that the pistons patience with him going through what he was going through 
you know, Tom Gores, Troy Weaver, mm-hmm. the powers that be, you know, look, get back to us when you're comfortable. Uh, and once he got the good news, he reached back out. And, you know, every, with the, uh, the exception of uh, Bogdanovich, were on hand The whole for that. team was there except for Boyan, who's probably in Europe. And he was very emotional about that. Um, and, you know, after I talked to him one-on-one, asked him, like, you know, whatever, when are they going to win questions, I said, what are you going to do with all the money? And he said, well, it's disrespectful to nurses and teachers who don't make this kind of money for me to say it's not about the money, it's about the money. Uh, but he, I said, come right. on, what are you going to do? He's like, probably spend it on dogs and cars. So well, he really likes dogs there and you, cars. There you go. Uh, but look, the guy has a, a keen reputation of being able to connect with young talent, which is something that he certainly did in Phoenix. That's what we need. And, you know, he is surrounded by nothing but young talent here. More coming in via the NBA draft. Right. Um, so Thursday. I agree. I, I, I think that uh, he is the right guy. And, and you can't ever say that Tom Gorris hasn't tried. Well, you can't say it now for sure. No, because he's uh, thrown around some dough. All right, uh, Nicholas, uh, all the best via that Guy Gordon morning show. You're going to do great. I know that. Uh, And happy you're sticking around. Blake, always a pleasure. Uh, James, um, no show next Monday, but we'll see you soon enough. See you Friday. Here on WJR.